And that sound marks the start of yet another missile for the masses. This is the 46th Chaplain's Assistance Motor Pod. I am your host, Gary, and this is the podcast where I review a toy or playset from the G.I. Joe of Real American Hero 3 and 3 quarter and 4 inch toy lines from 1982 to the present day. Also, every episode, I just take a quick look at to what's going on in my life of collecting as it relates to toys and comics and military-themed toy lines as well. Now, with that out of the way, let's get started with my life of collecting. And the past couple weeks have been actually really busy for me. I am getting ready to go to Joe Fest. Part of me going to Joe Fest was I wanted to actually have some t-shirts available for myself to wear, obviously. And if anybody uh, wants one, uh, feel free to look me up. I'll be the gentleman in the green Chaplain's Assistance Motorpod t-shirt. And I'll have a limited supply in my backpack. I'll be there Friday and Saturday. Can't wait to see friends that I've only talked to online. See friends that I haven't seen since JoeCon 2017. And make some new ones as well. And uh, the t-shirts, got to say, they came out looking great. They're from my friends at Robert Barron's Inc. Uh, he does a great job, and he's a Joe collector as well. So I just want to give him a nice shout-out for uh, thanking, thanks for the hookup. Can't wait to actually play with his toys when he finally gets them out of his parents' attic. The other thing is, with going to Joe Fest, I've had to raise funds. And part of raising funds for me is selling on eBay. And I want to talk about eBay just a little bit, just to let people know what's going on there. You know, I always complain about having too much stuff and I need to sell stuff. And that doesn't stop me from buying things on Mercari to resell. So I bought an, a decent lot, 25 figures at about $10 a figure. And I figured, hey, pun not intended, I surmised that, hey, maybe I can turn a quick little profit and make some dough for the Joe Fest plane flight. Well, didn't work out that way. Uh, did okay, but, you know, basically broke even. So just so you know, it was mostly a waste of effort on my part. I should have just saved my money. Um, I only kept one figure out of the 25. It was a ripcord. I didn't have a second ripcord for whatever reason. But the other thing about eBay is I've spoken recently a little bit about thinning down the personal collection, you know, going through things that I need to uh, what really sparks joy. And I did dip into my mint on card collection a little bit. And I finally, after 22 years on eBay, finally got scammed. I sold a 1985 frostbite that was still in his, you know, red bubble from the snowcat packaging. Uh, I've had in my collection for about seven years now. I got it from the original kid who uh, broke his snowcat early on and his parents bought him a replacement and he never opened uh, the frostbite. So listed on eBay, I got a, I felt a little over fair market value for it, about $20 more than uh, I expected because I like the auction format for whatever reason uh, rather than just putting it on for 30 days at a clip and hoping somebody buys it, which reminds me I'm going to have to take down my 30-day listings that are currently on eBay. 
because I'm not going to be able to ship at Joe Fest for obvious reasons. But the guy got it. He waited two weeks and then he opened up a return saying it wasn't as described. And he said it wasn't new. And I was like, hmm. Well, the guy has three feedback, so this doesn't look good. So lo and behold, uh, the day comes, open the package, and in its place is a nice condition Cyclops from Toy Biz. And go on eBay, take pictures, you submit pictures, and then eBay refunded him his money, but let me keep my money as well. So it took about a whole hour and a half for that process. I was kind of bummed out that eBay thought it was best to just refund the guy almost $200, you know, taxes and shipping. And I got to keep my money, but, you know, just didn't feel right. But finally, I, you know, after 22 years selling on eBay, finally got scammed. So I think that's a pretty good run. Now back to G.I. Joe. Other things uh, going on. Um, I've managed to score the second, I want to say the second series of the comic images G.I. Joe set. Uh, saw that and neat little story on that was I go to rate the person on Mercari. It was a, you know, easy transaction. And then next thing you know, it won't let me rate. It says, you got another package coming. I'm like, why would I have another package coming? Well, lo and behold, I didn't want this, but I ended up buying the sheets for it anyway. Uh, I have the complete Tales from the Crypt card set and it's only you know, it's just so niche and so like out there and just brings back a time of, you know, the 90s and just, you know, that X-Files and all the stuff that I was going through and growing up back in, you know, the mid 90s. I decided to keep it, even though it was sent to me in error. The seller just said nothing. I said, hey, you want me to return this? And they says, oh, I'll get back to you. Didn't hear from him again. So... Okay, so I kept them. And that's pretty much what's going on. It's been, you know, pretty busy with work and, you know, stuff. So just trying to get this last episode out before JoeCon. Once again, hope to meet some uh, some of you listeners and, you know, see some old friends at JoeFest uh, 2023. Being Yojo Jim, and being the fact that I didn't cover a Cobra vehicle at the end of May, I decided to make this a head-to-head twofer missile for the masses, as the title of the episode suggests. Can a ferret escape a tiger's paw? We're looking at the 1985 ferret and the 1988 tiger paw. And just taking a quick look at what's going on with these two ATVs from the vintage A Real American Hero toy line. To start off with, I had both of these as a child. Ferret I got for Christmas, my first G.I. Joe Christmas. And then I got the Tiger Paw from Stars in Wallingford, Connecticut, one of my favorite stores to reminisce about. This is probably, arguably, to me, a lot of fond memories, and that's probably going to come out in the review. And to, as always, we'll start off, uh, take a look at the box. It's the G.I. Joe Cobra Command Weapon, Cobra Ferret. 
carries two figures, four-wheel drive, all-terrain vehicle with removable missiles, does not shoot. It's that classic Hector Garrido painted artwork with Storm Shadow driving and Firefly riding, and pardon the term, but, you know, in motorcycles it's called riding bitch. So riding behind Storm Shadow there. And, you know, the back of the package, the marketing for why you would want this Cobra Fair, aside from the fact that it's an awesome ATV, you know, it's a two flag point purchase. So it's about, you know, if G.I. Joe figures were about $2.50, this would be about $5. It's showing off the main storage cover, the fender flares, the super realistic detail, the removable missiles, steering weapon linkage side-mounted 20-millimeter cannon with sturdy construction for rugged play. This is quite possibly one of the most versatile vehicles from the vintage Cobra toy line, you know, with lots of use in the comic, the cartoon especially, a lot of use. So this thing was ubiquitous in the 1980s. And the other thing is... Another great pair to ride on a Cobra Ferret, the Paoli twins, Tomax and Zamot. And I can speak that when I had my twins, they rode it quite often. And because it's a head-to-head, we'll switch over to the box of the Tiger Paw. Here we have Dusty driving with Lifeline riding behind. You have a side-mounted laser cannon. You still have a rear storage cover. You still have fender flares. You have two surface-to-surface missiles, super realistic detail with a steering weapon linkage and a nose gun. What we're going to find as we look at both of these is minor differences with the way they describe each of these. And how does that stand up if you were to pit the tiger paw against the ferret? We're going to look at both of them at the same time. And I'll start by looking basically at the molds. Each one, you know, has a main body, which is either blue or the tricolor, you know, the yellow, brown, white. And underneath that would be the chassis with the engine. The top of the engine clips into the bottom of the body and also into the top or on the basically the frame of the chassis. They're molded in the same color. And then it moves on to the steering linkage, which is molded in blue, which matches the wheels on the Cobra Ferret, but it is molded in black on the Tiger Paw while the wheels are yellow. So here's where usually I've always found that they they kept the same color schemes for the vehicles. So... You know, the, they would change the colors for the molds, but they wouldn't change the color scheme. So here's where a minor change is where they change the color scheme on the Tiger Paw. Now, the missiles, the handlebars, the side gun, and the nose gun are all molded in red. And one interesting thing is that I've always found the red of the Tiger Paw to be a little bit brighter, usually, than the red on the Cobra Ferret. It's partly because the tiger paw 
was molded in Brazil, and the colors were a little bit different than the original country of origin for the ferret. Now, the only reason why I say that is I don't see a Hong Kong or China or USA stamp on the ferret that I own. Now, there's going to be one exception. When the ferret was available in as a mail-away, the mail-away ferret came from Brazil. We know that Hasbro did allow other companies to use their molds, and Brazil got a lot of them. So I do have a mail-away ferret. I think I know which collection I got it from. I think it was the same collection that I got my tiger paw. And the one thing about my mail-away cobra ferret is it has a broken little nub. So on the rear right fender, there is a little gas opening for where to put your nozzle from your terror drum to fill up the ferret with fuel. So there's six little bumps. I always like to think of them as acorn nuts. Well, one of mine broke off and because mail away ferrets aren't exactly plentiful or easy to come by or cheap to come by because you can find anything on ebay if your wallet is deep enough i've kept this as my only mail away ferret and you know that's where he stays but the other thing too is the mail away ferret has a brighter hue of blue and a brighter shade of red the shade of red matches most of my tiger paws that I have had. Now to get back to the earlier point of the reds being deeper on the ferret and brighter on the tiger paw, you know, subject. Um, the other things besides country of origin for the mold is also the fact that the red plastic ages and it can go either way depending on the storage conditions of the toys in question. Now to the construction of the ferret, um, the one thing is they both have the rear covers. Blue is on the ferret and black on the tiger paw. And they both have black rubber seats and black rubber rear fender flares. They also have black rubber tires, which say Cobra ATV on it. And the other thing is a reuse of molds. The, we the wheels on the ferret. Uh, not only do they go round and round, but you can also find them on the front of a Thunder Machine. So, interesting side note, you can take tires from parts Thunder Machines and you can make your off-road ferret with the paddle tires that it comes with, which is great for sand and mud and other ways to gain traction, but you can make it a street ATV. That'd be an interesting thing. So, you might you might piss off Thrasher in the meantime, but it would be an interesting and another cool look. And now to look at the blueprints. Now, the blueprints for the ferret and the tiger paw are similar, but not the same, which means that they're pointing out the same things, but they're numbered differently. So I'm going to try to keep them the same for conversation's sake. Number one on the ferret, and that's the numbers I'll use, is the rear fender splash shields, which are those little rubber guards that clip on to the back of the ferret and then you move on to the two the secure storage compartment which is that little blue cover that is oftentimes missing and uh, can be one of those pieces de resistance that completes your ferret and it's called a removable cover storage compartment on the tiger paw 
Number three is the laser-seeking combat rocket. So that's C-O-M hyphen B-A-T rockets. So those are the red missiles that are over by the foot pegs. One interesting thing about this I always thought was you had a little yellow decal that wrapped around the rear of the missile on the ferret. And it is a nice touch. But one thing I always thought about the ferret missile, because it's the little end that is the rear, is it never looked enough like a exhaust for the rocket. It always looked kind of small for that. And it's also odd um, with looking at some of the other vehicles. You don't have a TNT rating or, you know, poundage. You know, the Claw had five-pound missiles. So this is just a COM-BAT rocket. When the Joes stole the ferret and made it its tiger paw, they decided to call it the Feline Fly-By-Wire Heat-Seeking Missiles. All right. So in real world, fly-by-wire usually is a tow. Um, a tow missile. So that means you have to keep your eyes on the target and the, and the wire guides it towards the target. Heat sinking is kind of the opposite. Anybody that's watched Top Gun or, or other aerial military style movies, heat seeking looks for a heat signature and locks onto that. You don't need a fly-by-wire on that. So it's one or the other a little contradictory, but hey, the missiles are there. They're cool. Another thing to point out with the tabs that hold these missiles on, oftentimes they break. Things to think about when buying parts ferrets. Next up is the driver adjustable hydraulic missile extenders. This little convoluted rubber type things on the bottom that go into the missiles pegs. I don't know what else to call them other than, you know, that's probably to extend them out. Sort of like Matt Tracker's missiles on his Iraq Camaro. So just to extend it out so maybe the flame from the rockets don't torch your front tires. And it's the same thing on the Tiger Paw, the auto-adjust hydraulic missile extenders. So the Joes made it auto-adjust so you don't have to you know, work so hard because Cobra cheaped out on the missile extender program. Now we're getting to my uh, favorite part, the 16-valve liquid-cooled, 115-horsepower, four-cycle fender engine. Not sure why it says fender there, because we go over and we look at the Tiger Paw. It is a 16-valve liquid-cooled, 115-horsepower engine. I have one issue with this. Uh, I don't mind it being liquid-cooled. I don't mind it being 115 horsepower. That's pretty good for a V-twin. But I don't see a radiator for the liquid cooling. I see lots of fins for air cooling, which doesn't mean that you can't have both. But in 1985, you also had the Silver Mirage, which also did kind of have radiators on the bike. It's a good detail engine. I like the fact that you have the carburetors. It looks like the carburetors are mounted in between the two jugs, the two cylinders. The 16-valve tell me that if this was a two-cylinder, you have eight valves per cylinder. So that probably makes this a four-cylinder. So you'd have four valves per cylinder, 16 valves. But it does just doesn't look wide enough to be that 16-valve. I do know that 
Honda did have an oval piston that they developed, and it used more valves than standard. And I don't know if Cobra had that technology, but that's still a fair amount of valves uh, either way you slice it. As good detail, I especially enjoy the fact that the exhaust goes essentially out the back. I like the fact that it's high up on like the Ram cycle. So this definitely does have an off-road feel. If I was to pick more nits, I would complain about the fact that both tailpipes come out of one side of the engine with, whereas in the real world, one, one exhaust pipe would come out of the front of the engine to go all the way around the back, and the other one would come off the back as is. You have a nice detail on one side for the transmission case, and on the other side you have detail for the clutch case. And you do even have a little sprocket on the right side. So as nice little detail for a nice little V-twin or V4 engine. We'll move on to the throttle brake gearbox steering controls, which essentially means the handlebars. And if you've ever ridden a motorcycle, your, your throttle is your right wrist, your clutch is your left fingers, your front brake is your right fingers, and your rear brake is usually your right toes and your gear shift is your left toes. So your throttle brake, gearbox, steering controls all being controlled in the handlebars is kind of a little bit busy, but it does essentially affect the fact that you would have your throttle there, you would have your front brake. Could possibly be that they put both brakes into the handlebars with the with a lever. And for gearbox, you do have your clutch, your clutch lever up there on the handlebars, but I would still think that even on a ATV, you're still going to have your shifter at your feet. And obviously your steering controls is your steering. That's why you have handlebars in the first place. Now, interesting enough, they don't have that called out for on the Tiger Paw. So the Tiger Paw blueprints have 14 points of you know, hey, this is what's cool about the ATV, but the Ferret has 15. That one got left off. But move on. We have the reinforced fiberglass epoxy body shell. That's pretty straightforward. You got a fiberglass body on the frame of the Ferret, which matches up with the reinforced fiberglass epoxy body shell on the Tiger Paw. You then go to the driver-controlled synchronized 50 caliber machine guns, that is the two little guns on the front of the ferret. And it is called on the Tiger Paw the driver-controlled coaxial firing 20 millimeter cannons. That is a big jump up from the 50 cals on the ferret. What I can see this is because of the size of the barrels and because of, you know, what makes sense in my head cannon, I definitely would go with 50 caliber. I would say it would be a 50 caliber pistol round. I wouldn't say it would be like a Browning machine gun round. That seems rather big, and these are rather short. And the other thing, too, uh, you could have maybe, you know, think about like a quick little custom belt that would feed into these, you know, on either side, little uh, ammo boxes underneath. I'll give the win to the Cobra Ferret for realism. 
with the 50 caliber. But I will give the Tiger Paw the win for absolute firepower with 20 millimeter. But it's just not going to practically fit on the ATV's body or chassis. Then we go to the Side Slug Electric CMF-1 10-round launcher on the Cobra Ferret, where it turned into, on the Tiger Paw, a side-mounted electrofire 50-millimeter recoilless cannon. So on the Ferret being CMF-1, don't know what that is. Maybe that is a 50-millimeter-sized projectile. And... The one thing is I do like is calling it a 10-round launcher. That seems like it would be something a little bit larger than, let's say, a grenade launcher mounted to the bottom of an M16. That's 40 millimeter. And it would package nicely in the plastic mold that you already have with the ferret. Now, when they call it a recoilless cannon on the Tiger Paw, that doesn't lead me to think of multiple rounds it means to me that it is loaded with one shot only and you shoot it and then you lose it i'm going to side with the ferret again on the armament on this comparison both of these call out electric on on these cannons and that is this little black hose that connects from a peg on the body to a peg on the side of the cannon it's black Looks good. It adds a little bit of realism. I always thought it was like a cooling or fuel, you know, like flamethrower or, you know, laser cannon. And even the box for the Tiger Ball calls it it a side-mounted laser cannon, whereas it is a 20-millimeter cannon on the ferret on those boxes. So you got a little more definition there. But you know, with the laser cannon, you know, it makes me think of, oh, you know, you need that big, big hose for electricity or coolant or, you know, flamethrower. I don't know, but it is a great detail to have, even though it's not needed. And again, if you're putting together a tiger paw, it is commonly missing as well. Next up is number 10. It is the automatic firing sequencer. That is basically the box where I like to think of where the 10 rounds are being held. And it is called out as an auto fire sequencer on the Tiger Paw. So guess what? It's the same. That's pretty cool. On the Cobra Ferret, the next up, it's called the straight through low restriction exhaust system. As I stated earlier, it's these two little plastic pipes that come out the back of the engine. It's called ex- ex- the exact same thing as number 13 on the Tiger Paw. Essentially, straight through, you know, usually in the automotive parlance means no catalytic converters, which off-road vehicles wouldn't have to begin with, but also no mufflers. I'm buying it. And then we go to the puncture-resistant off-road flotation tires. So here you go. This is something like a Rocon. Would have Rokon is a motorcycle, it's a two-wheel drive motorcycle manufactured in New Hampshire, USA. They were known for being these way overkill off-road dirt bikes that weren't fast, but they'd get you from point A to point B. And they do have flotation tires on it with paddles. So this is uh, believable. But then you go over to the Tiger Paw, and then it's called Tiger Paw, in quotes, wide grip off-road tires. 
Again, these are like little paddle tires. It's pretty hard for me to say this, but I got to give it again to the ferret. So Cobra is really doing a bang-up job on, on their blueprints. I'm really buying the ferret more than the tiger paw. And then we get to the six forward speed transmission, which the paw calls it a retrofit, six speed retrofit transaxle. It is not a transaxle. It is a transmission. Transaxle would be at the drive axle, much like a modern C5 or C6, C7 Corvette, rather than a transmission, which is typical of an ATV or motorcycle. We get one-piece welded steel wheels on the Cobra Ferret. However, the G.I. Joe team has changed it to a one-piece cast alloy Tiger wheels. Apparently, when the G.I. Joes captured the Cobra Ferret and turned it into Tiger Paw, they decided that they wanted to change the rims. And I get it. I don't like keeping my cars stock either. And I like to, you know, upgrade my wheel and tire combo when I get a new vehicle. And then finally, you get a free-floating transverse front suspension, which is the exact same thing on the Tiger Paw. Reality is, unlike the Striker from 1985, these really, there's no suspension on this. You know, the axles are where they're at, but at least they do steer. One other thing that I've got, that I didn't go over was the bottom frame for the Ferret and Tiger Paw is made of thin, like, tubular pieces of plastic. So, you know, like, they're almost like a, a tree, a weapons tree from the 90s. And what that usually means is they break. And I think I've covered basically everything that is easily lost or broken on, on one of these guys. You know, I've had to replace frames, and they're not, they don't always unclip easily. Uh, when they're broken, it's very easy to cut them apart and get them out. But let's say yours is not broken and you need to take it apart for whatever reason. The clip that hides underneath the rear cover for, you know, where you put your, you know, gear or something, that can be difficult to un unsnap. Corollary, it could also be difficult to resnap it in if you get it pulled out. And I know that from experience. You know, the ferrets generally, they don't like now, you know, pulling the wheels on and off. The rubber tires do okay, but the wheels don't come off the pegs as easily as they used to. I remember as a kid, I was always ending up with, you know, explosion. And to make take the ferret out of battle, I'd take a wheel off and just let it dig. You know, the driver would flip over the handlebars and chaos ensues during the battle. I will reiterate the fact that the ferret's blueprints I like more than the tiger paws blueprints. But this is the Chaplin System Motorpod, and this is where we talk about play and which ones I'd rather play with or what. And this is a head-to-head -head battle. And which one would win in a head-to-head -head battle? I mean, these are pretty evenly matched in the minds of a child, pretty, pretty evenly matched um, in battle. So at that point, I think it comes down to who crews these vehicles. So I always like to have the Cobra Ferret as a kid with Tomax and Zamot. Got to admit, not too many other Cobras really manned it. I had a few of them, you know, Cobra Commander drove it a few times, a great little command vehicle. And, you know, really can't really make much. I have a lot of memories with Tomax and Zamot. And on the G.I. Joe side for the Tiger Paw, that was a lot of flint. I had a Tiger Force Dusty and Airtight, my good buddy Airtight. 
would write it. I would say right now, I'd say that the Cobra Ferret won in my childhood with with that crew going against each other. And, you know, because I'm sorry, the Crimson Twins are just, you know, badass, you know, guys, you know, Sunbow. You know, that's exactly what Issue number 37. You know, they were riding it up the roller coaster going after Flint. And don't think that I didn't reenact that as a kid. But now as an adult, who else? You know, Major Blood goes well on this. Absolutely Firefly. Not so much Storm Shadow. I'm not a big Storm Shadow riding ferrets guy. You know, I think he really is more of a claw man myself. That's not completely unfounded by issue 21 or issue 24 of the Marvel series. But I just think the Viper goes well on it. The Cobra Trooper goes well on it. There is a variety of Cobra soldier that just fits on it. Baroness, Destro, you know, just there's just a whole host of characters. Whereas, you know, the Tiger Paw as an adult, the Tiger Force guys, mainly Dusty, Flint, Duke. I don't know why. I just can't see the Tiger Paw taking out the ferret often enough. I think the ferret being by Cobra would be more ubiquitous than the Tiger Paw. You're not going to have a, you know, for every 10 ferrets, G.I. Joe probably caught one and blew up eight. So the, and the Cobra still is making them. So I would say that the Cobra ferret would be in larger numbers in the battlefield. The other thing would be with the uh, Tiger Paw versus the ferret would be the color scheme. At night, you're going to see the Tiger Paw. But in, let's see, the savanna of Africa, I think the Tiger Paw has the edge. So we're using this, like a lot of G.I. Joe vehicles and Cobra vehicles, they have their application, their niche application, and they will dominate in that theater. Which one am I going to choose? What, what am I going to rate them? Before I get to rating them on a scale of 0 to 5 valves of a liquid-cooled engine, I want to say that the Tiger Paw is a solid repaint of the original Ferret. And I don't want the fact that it's a repaint to affect the score. Now, a lot of times repaints can be cool in their own right. I reviewed the Python Conquest before I reviewed the G.I. Joe Conquest because it was, I feel that the paint scheme on the Python Conquest really is a step above what the G.I. Joe Conquest is, and it just spoke to me stronger that day. Tiger Force, on the other hand, has a lot of fans and also has a lot of detractors as well. I am not a detractor. I like the Tiger Force aesthetic. I like the repaints. It was a fun way to use this. I think the theme of Tiger Force of capturing Cobra vehicles and turning them to Joe was kind of lost for the most part because half of them were G.I. Joe vehicles to begin with. But what I'm about to rate is not a reflection of the repaint. I think that it is a solid repaint in and of itself. And as a kid, I would have been thrilled with either one of these, but having both just made me feel that much more joy in my heart. With that said, I'm going to give the Cobra Ferret a five valves out of five. I think is a near perfect Cobra vehicle at a great price point for the era and its use in media 
and its value and what you get for the value of a toy and the fact that it is so rooted in realism. It's something that belongs in just about every collection. And I would, I can't think of too many G.I. Joe collections that wouldn't have a ferret in it. Now, the Tiger Paw, to me, is a three and a half valve out of five. And it's a three and a half valve out of five only because I don't think, because of the detractors of Tiger Force, um, because of the detractors of repaints, I think that hurts its collectability and reduces its score a little bit. But the other thing is the fact that they didn't need to relabel the blueprints as bad as they did. And just because me reading those blueprints and compare and contrasting, you know, the ferret would win in a battle as far as I'm concerned. So I guess the tiger paw lost. Well, with that victory for Cobra, this Yojo June brings this missile of the Chapel's Distance Motor Pod to a close. I have been your host, Gary. Thank you for listening. Wherever you listened to this podcast, please like, review, rate, or if you're listening on Spotify, answer the questions that would accompany this in the Spotify app. Spotify for Podcasters is the host of the Chapel's Distance Motor Pod. Now, the Chapel's Distance Motor Pod is also the strange but not estranged, nerdy little brother of the pint, a pop culture podcast, and those two twins on the ferret have nothing to do with me saying that at the end of every episode at all. You can find them wherever you found this podcast. Just search The Pint, colon, a pop culture podcast. That leaves us with one final missile for the masses. Before we head out, be decent to each other. Maybe I'll see you at Joe Fest.